No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where all Israel makes David king according to the word of the Lord spoken by Samuel. We'll also look at the exploits of David's mighty men. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 on Simply the Bible. King Saul and his sons had died. Immediately, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin made David their king. And he ruled in Hebron for seven and a half years. It had been a long, long wait. But finally, God was bringing to pass what he had promised to do for David, to make him king over all Israel. We pick it up today in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Then all Israel came together to David at Hebron, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over my people Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel, according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. The people of Israel realized that David was their brother. In the past, David had led their troops out to battle against the Philistines and brought them back victorious. He had defeated Goliath. They knew that the Lord had spoken through Samuel, saying that David would shepherd his people Israel. They had seen the kingdom of Judah grow stronger while their own kingdom of Israel grew weaker. Therefore, the elders resolved to make David their ruler, and they made a covenant with him and anointed him to be king over Israel. It took more than 20 years from the time David was first anointed by Samuel until he became king over all Israel. During that time, David learned to trust in the Lord at all times and wait patiently for him to bring about all that he had promised. You see, we can do that because God will always bring about what he has promised. It is impossible for him to lie. That's a valuable lesson for all of us to learn. On many occasions, I have tried to help God out. I've gotten impatient with the way I think things should ought to be, and, and they're not going that way. And so I think, oh, God needs my help. I better get involved. But I often find that I get ahead of the Lord when I do that. However, when I trust in the Lord, realizing it is His work, it is His church, these are His people, and I simply wait for Him to go before me, to show me what to do, I've always been pleased with the results. God does a good work when we trust Him to do it. Now, God's choice of a king and the people's choice had aligned. David would shepherd the house of Israel. God looks for those who have a heart of a shepherd to care for his people because the Lord is our shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. And really what God is looking for are those leaders who will feed his sheep, who will care for his sheep, tend the flock. That's the kind of leader David was, which made him so qualified to be the king of Israel. Verse 4, And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus, 
where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. But the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You shall not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said, Whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first and became chief. Then David dwelt in the stronghold. Therefore, they called it the city of David. And he built the city around it from the millow to the surrounding area. Joab repaired the rest of the city. So David went on and became great. And the Lord of hosts was with him. Now, when Joshua originally conquered the land of Canaan, he conquered Jerusalem and gave it to the Benjaminites. But they had been unable to drive out the Jebusites who lived there. The city of Jerusalem was strategically located, and no doubt David had been eyeing it for quite some time. Topographically, it was the high point. Mount Moriah was there, and it was easily defendable for ancient warfare. No wonder David wanted it for his capital. David knew that such a fortress had to have a water source, but there was no river going into the city. The only water source was the Gihon Spring in the Kidron Valley outside the city walls. So they reasoned that there must be a hidden water shaft where they could draw water for the city in case of a siege. Therefore, David issued a challenge to his men. Whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, he shall be chief and captain of the army. And Joab went up first and became the chief. Joab, of course, was the nephew of David. Now, this illustrates the kind of person God uses. Courage is closely aligned with faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Therefore, David took the stronghold of Zion. This is the first time the name Zion appears in Scripture. It was on the southwest side of Jerusalem at the high point of the city, opposite the Temple Mount. They called it the City of David. And this is where he would later build his royal palace. Verse 10. Now, these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. You know, you can tell the quality of a leader by the quality of the people who are around him. I remember hearing the story of Andrew Carnegie, the industrialist and multimillionaire, probably a billionaire, I don't know. But at one point, he had a hundred millionaires working for him and he was being interviewed. And the interviewer asked him, how is it that you convinced a hundred millionaires to come to work for you? And he laughed. He said, no, no, you don't understand. They weren't millionaires when they came to work for me. They became millionaires because they worked for me. And the interviewer said, well, how did that happen? And he said, well, he said, the way I look at developing men is like mining for gold. You have to sift through tons of dirt to get one ounce of gold. But you don't look for the dirt. You look for the gold. David was the kind of man that had many mighty men of valor around him. And they were willing to lay down their lives for David. But of course, David was willing to also sacrifice for them. He was a man that no doubt saw the gold in others. Verse 11, And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had, Jeshobaam, the son of Hakmonite, chief of the captains. 
he had lifted up his spear against 300 killed by him at one time. So he was the chief of the captains, the mighty man of valor killed 300 at one time. After him was Eliezer, the son of Doda, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pasdamim. Now there the Philistines were gathered for battle and there was a piece of ground full of barley. So the people fled from the Philistines, but they stationed themselves in the middle of that field, defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So Eliezer and David stood their ground in a barley field. Now you might not think too much of a barley field, but they were unwilling to let them, the Philistines pass, as it were. You know, they stood their ground. And, and there's such a great illustration there for us. And standing our ground, even though we may only have a little barley field to defend. Hey, God gave us that barley field, and we're going to stand firm in the faith on the promises of God's word, knowing that we shall not be moved. Because of this, Eleazar became one of the three. These were the, the three chief mighty men of David. Now three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the army of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. So these three mighty men, uh, again, they were the, the chief ones of David, the chief mighty men. And when David just cried out, oh man, I could use some of that water from Bethlehem, they decided, hey, let's go get it. And so they broke through the Philistine ranks all the way to Bethlehem, got the water, brought it back at the risk of their own lives. And when David saw what they had done, he's, he just poured the water out on the ground. He says, no way, I can't drink this. You know, uh, you, you risked your lives for me. It's, it's your blood that you risked, you know, uh, for my sake. But I think even more than that, David wasn't going to indulge in satisfying himself when his own men were having to suffer. You know, he suffered with them. And again, this is what made David such an admirable leader that men would follow to the end. Verse 20, Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of another three. He had lifted up his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Of the three, he was more honored than the other two men. Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. So understand there was the first three. These are the main guys, uh, the first three. And then there was a second three. And of the second three, Abishai, who was the brother of Joab, again, the nephew of, of David, he became their captain. And he also killed 300 men. 
Beniah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits tall. In the Egyptian's hand there was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff, took the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did, and won a name among three mighty men. Indeed, he was more honored than the thirty, but he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard. So Benaiah, again, a man's man, killed these two lion-like heroes of Moab. Probably had the faces of a lion uh, and killed them. And then killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now that would not be an easy task. And because of this, he became David's bodyguard. Actually, under Solomon's reign, he would become the general over Solomon's army. Verses 26 through 47 give the names of the remaining mighty warriors of David. According to 2 Samuel 23, 39, there were 37 men in all, mighty men of valor of David who risked their lives to follow this man. And you know, David is a type of Christ who has suffered with us, who has shown us that he is worthy to be followed and worthy that we should sacrifice even our own lives if need be to follow him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see that while David is a fugitive from King Saul, God gathers many men of valor to him. Where God guides, God provides. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Chronicles on Simply the Bible.